Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with author, sensory perception, and emotional management specialist, Kim Corp. She believes that before you start with why, ask yourself how, and that's the question she explored after a life-altering event that she vowed never to repeat. Her search resulted in an increased awareness of how she felt, and that awareness enabled her to question her feelings. A foodie at heart, she discovered a new process of refining our emotions as if we were creating a fine dining experience for ourselves rather than relying on ages old comfort food and emotions that might not necessarily be ideal for who we become or who we want to be. She weaves her curiosity about emotional awareness with her decades of experience in the world of accounting and systems implementation. The result is her latest book, Yucky, Yummy, Savory, Sweet. Enjoy this interview. I want to begin our conversation with, before we get into your work, which I'm, I'm sure is all corollary, we're getting yes. on the four-year anniversary of the pandemic. How did you get through the pandemic and how did it change you? How did I get through the pandemic and how did it change me? The, the pandemic probably uh, helped me launch this, my book even more so, but the, the pandemic was, was actually um, got me closer to my community I volunteered. I have had, I have, there's many parts. I have a very strange brain. I have this very technical computer uh, process oriented brain. And then I have this other creative side. So it just, you know, they say you're one or the other. Well, I, I'm oddly too. And I, it, it got me closer to the community, but then it also sparked my need to help people in the mental health framework because having dealt with my own um, journey and having arrived at what um, I had been trying to launch into this, this what is in, contained in my book, uh, it, 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 it really helped to solidify that need and to push forward. And it also changed me financially. So I had been making money, you know, hand over fist quite, you know, I shouldn't say hand over fist, but I was it was easy to come by and I had a change in income because my business, the the one that had been my sole uh, means of income, not well, my husband's make money, but the, the point is, is that that had dried up substantially and still is fairly dry. And that has to do with the change in economics that happened because of the change in buying habits and real estate got greatly impacted commercial real estate. So um, that's, that's really how it hit me. But emotionally, I think it just made me more driven to try and help uh, people with what I've created for myself. And as we'll get into later. So yeah, and that's kind of what I want to get to right now, what you exactly do on a daily basis. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career day. And one of the kids says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? That's really interesting that you say that because that's where I want to get to. And that is our emotions can be very confusing sometimes. And we have a hard time connecting to them. Like we don't know how we feel. And what I try and do is help people to understand how we feel. Because just like we have a sensory system to how we see and how we hear, we learn about those five, we actually have more. And one of those sensory systems is called interoception. So because that's a big word and it's hard for people to understand, we do understand the word interception. 
And interception is when you catch something, right? Like it's going out there and and you you get between its target and you catch it. Well, when we receive the information that our body is sending us and get better at interpreting it because it's it's like any language we need to learn how to be a better active listener and when we get better at identifying those feelings that gives us a better way to uh, understand our feelings in the moment so when you think about like What's the best way to know how to respond, to not have to think about it for too long, to know like instantaneously. And so this is what I'm trying to help a third grader to a 70 year old uh, understand better is those interoceptive feelings, how to catch them and I identify them better. So what did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream? You know what? I hate to say this, but I, I really didn't have one. I was raised in a religion where at in uh, 1975, the world as we knew it was going to come to an end. And so I was not supposed to go to high school. And I believed strongly. So what year was I in? Um, I, I'm 61. So I have to think back of what a you know year it was in third grade. But it, it, it wasn't close to 75. It was, had to have been in the 60s because I would, would have been in high school um, in the 70s. So, yeah, I I didn't have one because I thought the world was going to end as we know it. So how did you transition from that into who you are today and move into this? I guess, how did you transition out of that? And what were the seeds that made you become who you are today and, and, and make you go after this profession you're in? It was life quakes, right? Like most of us, we learn the most when we can take really tough experiences. And I don't mean to trigger anyone, but I had uh, been sexually abused as, as a young girl by someone within my religion. I had, um, and it got kind of swept underneath the floor. In fact, that whole story is really interesting how it um, it re-revealed itself to me. Um, I also grew up and um, drinking was a problem in my household. My mother actually died of alcoholism and yet I couldn't come to face the fact that she was an alcoholic for many, many years. It was all part of that holding things down, like not coming emotionally to grips with it. And I think that the the kicker, there was a few other things, but the 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 one thing that just took me into the direction that I am now was a divorce. I was fabulously in love with my first husband and I just thought he was my forever. I put him through school. We had two businesses together and you know, it was the the oldest story in the book. He he was a chiropractor. He had an affair with the front desk girl because she took better care of him than I did. Uh, which was total really wrong. And I was like, oh my God, I have got to keep this from happening to me again. Because even in that situation, I was still being willfully blind to what was going on. So I went on this quest to figure out how can this stop? And I discovered I can't. I can't keep it from happening again, but I can get better at facing my feelings. I can get better at putting up boundaries. I can get better at knowing myself and understanding myself better. And that that uh, evolution started with my first book. It's called uh, 
the perfect heart, creating and maintaining love life balance, because I knew my whole life had been out of balance. I was all about him and not about me. And either we were always together or, or you know, apart. Uh, we just didn't have any balance. But as I went in this continuing journey, I read a book called How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain. Totally, totally changed my world because it, it gave me a system. It helped me to understand the system that the brain has. And that is that we live in a world of prediction. Everything we see, like you looking at me right now is a prediction of the brain. We don't see what we see. We see what the brain interprets. And also our emotions are a prediction of the brain. Our thoughts are a prediction of the brain, unless we are co more consciously involved. But because of how the body works, I mean, like if the bot, if we had to be more present, like to be super, super present all the time, it, it, it would be energetically inefficient. So the brain has this thing, you know, we it wires our experiences so we can use them again in the future. And that's what it uses to launch them. And then I said, okay, so I need to be more proactive at creating what I call the recipes or the experiences that I want the brain to use in the future to, to uh, be more proactive and then implement the things that helps the brain to implement my changes. And so that's, that ended up being what my book is about. So who's been a hero for you in your life? This the author of that book, for sure. Yeah. Uh, she is a huge hero. Her name, her name is Lisa Feldman Barrett. She's the creator of the um, theory of constructed emotions. And that was, like I said, extremely life-changing. Yeah. And um, other heroes are my mom because she, uh, she didn't know how to deal. She had a lot going on that she had to use alcohol to get through and even to the end i mean it was it it was her crutch and so i knew that like to go through life and not end up like her i i had to make that change to make her proud and then the other hero is my niece uh rebecca she's autistic and she is a great lesson in interoception and how um it, how difficult it can be for people with special needs. And yet they have the ability to develop these skills. So if they can, we can. And she um, is a, she's, a, she, she's in my book a few times because um, her struggles are, are much more than we could ever have in life. And yet um, she, 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 she serves as an example of love and of development and of um, just pure beauty. My son's on the spectrum. He's 19. So I've been in the special needs community for quite a while. And, and I agree. I, from the parental perspective, I can't imagine experiencing this life without seeing it through him and what he's exposed me to. And there is, there's so many more things that they have to do and accelerate and evolve into because of the way the world is and yeah yes. it's pretty it's pretty enlightening have you ever heard of kelly mailer she's an mm. occupational therapist and and i use her as an example in the book of someone who uses interoceptive training she actually has a book called the interoceptive 
curriculum that she uses to help other occupational therapists who work with the neurodiverse. I, I don't, I didn't even know about this. Um, and she helped me to understand this even better is that emotions come in two flavors. We have the emotions that we're more familiar with. We're actually more familiar with both of them. We just don't think of them as emotions. So there's the emotions that we we would call love and sad and and tired and all these. Those are called homeostatic emotions. So homeostasis is the brain's trying to keep us within a framework of health. So if you know there's this range and it's always doing activities that we're unaware of that keep us. In, in balance. But there's times where it makes us aware of it, like when we're cold. So we may be prodded to get under a blanket or put on a jacket. And those are homeostatic emotions or we're hungry. So we eat, we feel pressure in our bladder. You get the idea. And then there's the affective emotions is what they're called. And that's happy, sad, uh, those types of emotions that we, we think of more with the word emotion, but they both exist and they both use the same body parts, meaning we will have the sensations in the same place that we might feel sadness, that we also might feel tired. And so we get these confusion between the two. And I'll, I'll can I give you an example? Sure. Uh, um, two really come to mind. And one was this recently, I saw this video of this father and I, I kind of, dislike how much people are having conversations with their kids and they're, they're videotaping them. It feels unpersonal, not personal, but he was, she was crying. He's like, why are you sad? And she's just like, I don't know. And she's just crying, crying, crying. And then um, he, he tells her, or she, she figures out, she self determines. She goes, well, I think I'm going to eat and watch my, my favorite show. So she goes to eat and watches her favorite show, but she never, I never heard in the conversation ever, no, you're not sad, you're hungry. That feeling that you have is hunger, not mm -hmm. sadness. Mm -hmm. And so if we teach that someone that when they're feeling sad, they eat, that creates potential for an eating disorder, right? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm just going to get a quick water. Sure. And, and so, and so when you look at circumstances like that, that's what I'm talking about, learning yeah. how to distinguish those feelings. Sure. I had a little girl who was in pain because she lost her tooth and she saw blood and she's crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? She said, I'm bleeding. You know? And I'm like, blood doesn't equal pain. And as soon as she heard that, it doesn't I'm like, no, it doesn't always mean pain. And she was fine. Yeah. So it's 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 being able to understand those influences into our feelings and to distinguish them that makes us more resilient. So what is your motivator to, to help people and to ultimately evolve as a person? Every time I we we before this recording, we were talking about that shooting. Uh think about the people who get mad. At, at, at just like the littlest thing can set them off. And it could be because they've bottled up a lot of feelings that have nothing to do with that moment and they don't address them. Or it could be because they have a feeling inside and they still can't identify it. So they don't know the difference between internally feeling them, between being irritated and being enraged. They It's like a hot pepper. 
you know, you have peppers that aren't so hot and you have peppers that are habanero or whatever, the ghost pepper that will just burn your mouth. We have that kind of distinction in the that that word anger that gets used for every kind of pepper, if you want to say it that way. So helping people to distinguish those emotions helps them in their reactions to to events. And to me, that's gigantic, but it also makes for better decision-making and, and it helps you to um, be okay. I want people to be okay with their feelings in the sense that I can feel them and identify them. And as bad as I think that they're going to be, they're really not usually as bad as we think. We have this predictive nature of the brain, right? So getting to, getting to, understand that your predictions aren't always right. There's a lot of prediction error or that we can get it wrong and reframe it to get it right in the future. So of all of the things that you've done and overcome and become in your life, what are you ultimately the proudest of? This book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, without a doubt, like there's so much heart in this book trying to take something that is really complicated and use stories and use my own examples, use, give people tools because like, how can you go from not, not feeling connected to your, your feelings at all. And then just go to, to doing it. Like you, you need to have a progression. And so I, I offer that, like, I, I want people to know that it, it's okay and that there's just a there's a pathway. I mean, honestly, I I think that I think that my book is just my crowning achievement. I've done a lot of things. And I think that this is the most important thing I've ever done. So at the end of the day, everyone has a perception of you. There's all these pockets of people in your life: family, friends, mm -hmm. clients, colleagues, readers. Mm -hmm. But you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? And that has changed a lot. So I will say today, my perception of me is first and foremost, love first. Uh, this is a big, I'm not going to say a huge change, but in, in, the, in how I love and how I identify love, it has changed a lot. I have really grown in that. So I would say I'm, uh, I try to be love first. I also feel like I'm very compassionate and I feel that I have really, really gotten great at being less judgmental. I was very judgy. <laughs> and yeah. so, and I think that I come off as confident and intelligent and, um, you know, pleasant. I've always been someone that people can talk to and I want to leverage that now in, in this this last last career, I've had many careers in my life, different things I've done. And in this last career of mine, I want to leverage that ability for people to share uh, and be, have them be comfortable with sharing with me to make, make a big difference. So if anyone wants to pick up the book, hire you, learn more about you, reach out, what's the best way for people to do that? Kimcorte.com, K-I-M-K-O-R-T-E.com. That makes it all easy. One stop it shop. It really does. It yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kim, this has been great. Thank you so much for opening up. Thank you for your story. Best of luck with everything. I appreciate well, it. Well, thank you, Joe. It was lovely to meet you.
Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Thank you.